All right, how's everybody doing? I'm going to pray before we get started. Father, thank you for that opportunity to sing to you, to proclaim that you are the great I am. Father, it was a joyful noise to you. My prayer is that it pleased you, Father. Holy Spirit, I'm asking you to guide every word that comes out of my mouth. Let everything that comes out of my mouth be from you, Holy Spirit, not from my flesh or from my frustrations or my thoughts. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, the bad thing about that song is I tend to lose my voice during that song, so this may be uh, a little struggle, but we'll get through it. So over the last few weeks, months, I'm watching something sort of evolve in front of us that's really burdening. And to be honest, I've been really struggling, especially this week, into as to how to put it into something to talk to you guys about. There's a lot of ideas swirling around. There's a lot of bullet points floating around. But I can't figure out how to get it put together for something meaningful. Something meaningful for me, meaningful for you. And you know, I don't really want to get up here unless I can give you something that's a challenge and something you can work with. So I'm going to try to ease into this by asking a question this morning. And that question is, what do we do when someone says something about God that we disagree with? What do we do? Somebody said go to scripture. That was a great answer. Somebody said argue. That's probably the more likely answer. <laughs> Good job, whoever went to scripture. Thank you for the honesty of we argue. Oh, sometimes we keep our mouth shut. All right, I'm not good at that one, okay? <laughs> I'm just, thank you, Lonnie. Look, Holy Spirit conviction. <laughs> so what do we do? Pray? Do we defend God? Do we defend him if they're saying something? But there's this thing, we don't know whether to open our mouth, keep our mouth shut. Do we argue? Do we defend? Do we not? Do we just say, man, they're morons and go on? Do we question if we are wrong? Maybe it's somebody in the media, and they say things like, oh, we talked about it a couple weeks ago, or Roberts University, you made it to the NCAA tournament, you don't deserve to be there because it's a hate crime. It's a hate crime to believe in Jesus because of the beliefs that come along with it. So maybe it's the media. They say something that you totally disagree with. This is going to start out like it's going political. I promise it's not. (laughs) Let's go a different way. What if it's a pastor? What if it's a pastor or maybe a fellow believer? Somebody should know better. And they say something, you're like, well, I don't know. That doesn't sound right. doesn't really line up with what I heard, what I read. Or maybe it's just somebody that's so angry with God, they're going to blame everything on him that he never really did. And so they've got an agenda to always try to make God look bad. My point is, I think all of us experience this at some point in our lives, whether we're watching TV, we're listening to our government, we're in church, a past church, a present church, people we're in our circles with, family members. 
And I'm talking about when they say something so opposite of God that we know. I know this is different than what I've been taught or what I read. Do we defend God? Do we defend him and say, that's not the God I know? See, there's, there's two ways to defend God. You don't have to yell. You don't have to scream. You don't have to argue. Do we take the time to explain that's not the God I know? Or do we start questioning what we know? How many of us start questioning what we really know? Somebody with authority gets up and they say, I read this in the Bible and God showed me this and boom. And it does not line up with anything you've ever heard, read, or seen. And you start going, man, maybe I just didn't read that right because I don't get the revelations this pastor gets. Do we start to question what we've been taught? Do we start to question what we believe? Do we allow someone else's opinion to sway the way we think about the creator of our universe, the great I am? So I think I'm asking these questions because we seem to be in an unprecedented time when our culture is trying to twist our creator into something they want it to be to fit their agenda. But then I realize it's really not that unprecedented at all because we've been doing this ever since Jesus walked on the earth, right? Isn't there a reason we have all these different denominations that will argue until they're blue in the face? about what the Bible says when most of them have never taken the time to look it up. So where am I going today? My goal is not to get up here and bash people who disagree with my views or your views or to get into a denomination or church bashing, bashing session. I don't really want to get into that. But I think my goal is to warn you that we live in a time, and it's not new to us, where believers and non-believers are trying to change the view of who God is our fundamental beliefs of who God is, rather than face the fact that if we truly believe who he is, we've got to mold ourselves and change ourselves, not change him. Okay, so I'm going to say that again. We have to mold ourselves to him, not mold him to who we want him to be to fit our agendas. And it really doesn't matter if it's the media that doesn't even know God, if it's the fellow Christian, if it's the pastor, most of us are changing the view of God to fit what our beliefs are, what we're trying to push, right? We have to mold ourselves to him, not mold him to who we want him to be. Or, I'll use a harder word than mold, we have to change who we are, not change who he is, okay? So I'll give you a dozen examples of, of why this has been stirring and you guys can probably think of some right now, but there's two I'm going to focus on this morning. And I'm going to ask you to bear with me, because again, especially when I give you the first one, you're going to think I'm going down a path, and I promise I'm not necessarily going down the path you think I'm going down, okay? So when I say something, don't let it offend you and tune out, please, okay? I'm begging you, just listen and give me a chance to explain where I'm going. There's two things that are going on that really bother me. Number one... There is a discussion about God's wisdom around whether or not I should take a vaccine. Number two, there is a pastor that's actively calling Jesus Christ a racist right now. Did you know that was going on? Anybody heard TikTok? How many views did we figure out he's got, Ryan? Did we figure that out? A lot. He's got a lot of views. He's calling Jesus a racist, and he goes to Scripture to prove it. 
Okay, we're going to get there in a minute. These two have bothered me so much. And that's why I prayed that I don't want frustration to come through. I've been saying, God, how do I take what's frustrating me and what you put on my heart and turn it into something that's meaningful? So we're going to try to address these things to get to a bigger point. And that's what I'm saying. Just bear with me. So you guys have probably heard this before if you've been in this church. When someone comes up to me and says, in the Bible it says this, what's my next word? Where? Show me. It's not that I don't trust you. It's not that I don't think you know enough. Don't let Satan tell you that. It's simply that I'm saying I've grown up in a world where people told me what was in the Bible, and I finally decided to go look, and some of that stuff just wasn't there. Somebody said most of it wasn't there. <laughs> Amen. So that's the first challenge. Remember that. When people come up to you and they say, well, you know, Jason, the Bible says this. It's usually a Christian coming against you when that happens. The Bible says this. Where does it say that? Show me. I can think of an example where someone came to me and they said, why don't you keep up with, uh, they actually came to me and said, hey, we, I got somebody who wants to transfer their membership to your church. And I was like, we don't do membership. Amen. And they're like, why don't you do membership? It's in the Bible. And I was like, show me where. Well, it's in Matthew. I mean, he gave me the scripture. It's in Matthew, blah, blah, blah. So I got out my phone, and I read Matthew to him, and it said nothing about it. And he said, I've been told that scripture all my life. I've been told it's in the Bible, and I've been told it was in Matthew. It was like Matthew 7 this. I mean, he was very descript. He didn't say it was somewhere near there. He said, it's this scripture. And I watched him sit there and unravel for about five minutes. I wonder what else I've been taught that's just simply not there. Okay? So let's go with number one. Well, this is going to be fun. We have this great debate in our society right now about what Christian stance should be concerning the COVID vaccine. I want to do some prefacing. I've never once said that COVID-19 is not a serious virus. I've never once, I've said we don't need to have fear. I've never once said that we shouldn't take it seriously. I've said I'm not going to shut my life down in fear, okay? I've never once really given my stance, well, okay, I'm lying. I've given my stance on where I am with the vaccine, but I don't really care what your stance is. That's not what we're here about today because I do have respect that A, there are people in our society that are being forced to take it, whether they want to or not. Healthcare workers, military, etc. Even if they, I, I heard a story this week from a man and a woman that are arguing to the point they may need marital help because he's in the military and he had to take the vaccine and she's so mad at him. So I want to be careful here to say I'm not attacking people who have taken a vaccine. I'm not attacking people who have not taken a vaccine. Can you guys hear me on that? Can you please hear me on that, okay? But I want to look at some facts. Do you know how much of the U.S. population percentage-wise died from COVID-19 to date? Does anybody know the statistic? There's a percentage. Anybody know it? Died. Not have it. Died. No, 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 no. No, no. Died, and it's on their birth certificate, death certificate, whether they really died from it or not. I'm, not, I'm counting the guy that had the motorcycle wreck and got counted as COVID. How, what's the percentage? U.S. population percentage has died from COVID. 
0.17%. That's not what you've heard. How much of the world population has died from COVID? 0.037%. These are COVID numbers from the internet that are from the CDC COVID website, okay? Did you know that in 2020, almost four times as many people died from tobacco use than died from COVID-19? Bear with me. This isn't a COVID-19 discussion. It's not even, we're not even going there. I'm just trying to build it a little bit. Did you know that per month we have more alcohol-related deaths than we've had COVID-related deaths? And guess what spiked in 2020? Alcohol-related deaths. Because people were isolated, they were alone, it forced them to drink, maybe when they wouldn't have, bless you. And we made it legal for people to drink and drive by getting your margarita to go, okay? So Jason, where are you going? Why is this in a sermon? What's this got to do about Jesus? Because a Christian said these words. Bless you again. If you're a Christian, you're putting others at risk if you don't wear a mask. If you're a Christian, you're putting, yourself, you're putting others at risk if you don't keep your distance. If you're a Christian, you are putting others at risk if you don't get a vaccine. Use the common sense and the wisdom that God gave you. So now if I make a choice to not fall to the fear, I don't have wisdom, that has bothered me. The problem is I've heard this from many people, not just one. So are you changing God to fit the fear that Satan has spread all over the world? Are you changing God's wisdom? Because we've created this huge fear. But why are we not taking cigarettes out of people's mouths if we're so concerned about the deaths? I never said COVID's not real. I never said it's not dangerous. I never said you shouldn't wear a mask. I'm not wearing a mask. I never said you shouldn't get the vaccine. I'm not getting the vaccine, but I'm also not going out and smoking a bunch of cigarettes right now, which has a better chance of killing me today. But it's wisdom to take a vaccine and wear a mask, but it's not wisdom when you walk outside and take off your mask and smoke a cigarette. I'm just going to go ahead and apologize if I've just offended half the people in here because you're either smokers or you got the vaccine. <laughs> but my fear of your thoughts is outweighed by my fear of God that wants to know what his wisdom really means, okay? I didn't say I didn't have fear of what you think, did I? I've struggled hard with this. We've created this massive fear, and the fear of man has led people to twisting their statements about who God is. So now it's God's wisdom to have fear. That blows me away. That infuriates me. It infuriates me. All we talk about is no fear, no fear, no fear. Fear's a liar, fear's a liar, fear's a liar. You're irresponsible because you don't have the wisdom of God that God gave doctors. And thank you so much for our healthcare workers and our doctors. Because I do believe God's given them incredible wisdom. 
But I'm going to read a couple things to you to put this in perspective, because you're either mad at me now or you're with me. Proverbs 29.25 says, Fear, fearing people is a dangerous trap, but trusting the Lord means safety. Fearing people is a dangerous trap, but trusting the Lord means safety. The problem we have with COVID numbers and with understanding God's wisdom is that we're allowing man to control what we think defines these two, okay? The statement that used common sense, but I just gave you the numbers. So if we're going to use common sense, why aren't we stopping people from drinking and outlawing that? And stopping people from smoking and outlawing that and taking away cars and outlawing those because there's a lot of deaths by alcohol-related driving accidents. So why are we freaking out about one thing and blowing it out of proportion when we're not freaking out about things that are worse? So immediately you go to, Jason, but I know people have died of COVID. I do too. And those are tragic deaths. But do you know anybody that's died from smoking? Do you know anybody that's died from alcohol? Emily and Carter got up here and gave an example. What was it? Her son, I don't remember exactly, her son died of COVID. And how did, what happened to her daughter? Drunk driver wreck. Man, we hang on that COVID death, but we don't really hang on that drunk driving thing. So if we're going to use common sense and God's wisdom to argument, the argument here, let's be consistent and let's ban some other things. Okay? But here's where I'm going. The argument that God's wisdom should lead you to want to save a life from death, there's not really any scripture about that that I can find. Because being a believer is about saving a life from eternal death, not earthly death. Does anyone disagree with me? Because I'm going to read you some more statistics. Matthew. Matthew wrote the first book of the New Testament. Killed by a sword, martyred for spreading the gospel of Jesus in Ethiopia. Where was his wisdom? Where was his wisdom that he didn't avoid that sword? Are we going to go there? Mark. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. Second book of the New Testament. Mark died in Egypt, dragged by horses through the streets until he was dead. I don't know about you guys, that sounds rough. I got dragged behind a four-wheeler one time by a brother who didn't like me, and it was not fun. <laughs> you should have stayed on the sled. I fell off the sled. My foot was hung, and you kept going. <laughs> Died, dragged by horses through the streets till he was dead. Luke, third book, hung in Greece due to spreading the gospel. Where was his wisdom? Why did he go to Greece if he was going to die there? You get my point? I'm being facetious here. John. Only disciple to live out an old life. His, I mean, lived out his life into old age. He was boiled in oil. You ever been burned? Some of you won't get this, but some of you guys will. When you had an old carbureted vehicle you couldn't get to start, you'd pour gas straight into the carburetor, right? Anybody done that? Yeah, my uncle did that one time with a coffee can, and when it fired, he stepped back, he threw the can on him. And he was in the med in Memphis for weeks, and they had to peel his skin off. John was boiled in oil. Before, he miraculously survives and is sentenced to exile on the island of Patmos. Where was his wisdom? 
If we're defining wisdom as avoiding human death, where is his wisdom? Peter, crucified upside down on a cross. A lot of people know this one. Why? Because he felt he was unworthy to die like Jesus did. So he asked him to crucify him upside down. I even heard that he asked him to do it on an X, not a cross. I don't know. And this is all history, so I don't know the specifics. James. James is the leader of the early church in Jerusalem. He was thrown over 100 feet down from the temple. He survived the fall, and they beat him to death with a club. Wouldn't wisdom tell James to not be in that area where that drop could happen? The other James, the disciple, beheaded in Jerusalem. This is my favorite one. I want you to listen here. The Roman officer who guarded James watched amazed as James defended his faith up into death. That Roman soldier declared his faith and knelt beside James and said, Behead me as well. Where was his wisdom? Wisdom, earthly wisdom, was said, This dude's getting his head cut off for believing in Jesus. You just stand over and act like you don't know him. Bartholomew. Beat to death by a whip. John talked about the lead tip, glass tip whip. Beat to death by a whip for preaching the gospel in Armenia. Andrew, oh, this is another favorite one. Andrew was whipped and hung on a cross with cords. So they didn't put nails in him. They hung him with cords. Okay, what's the significance there? It prolongs your death. He hung for two days. You know what he said on the way to the cross? I have long desired and expected this happy hour. We're scared to die. And these men are going, I've long expected this hour. They look forward to death because they understood the eternal life that came after the earthly death. And we've had so many generations instilling into us what we got to do to make sure our earthly lives are perfect and we live this long life that we've lost sight of God's wisdom. He said, the cross, this is Andrew, the cross has been consecrated by the body of Jesus hanging on it. And then he preached for two days while he was hanging on the cross. Yes, I get to die today. And I'm going to preach. And I get to die the way Jesus died. And I fell down. <laughs> How many people are saying that in our society? But no, they say, you're irresponsible. What was better, Lonnie, dancing last week to the Carlton or almost falling? <laughs> Thomas, I'm going to keep going, more statistics. Thomas stabbed with a spear in India. Jude killed with arrows when he refused to deny his faith in Jesus. Matthias, Matthias is the disciple chosen to replace Judas. Stoned and beheaded. Is it not bad enough he got stoned and then they cut his head off? <laughs> we ain't killed you yet. Get over here, we're going to cut your head off. Karen walked in at a perfect time. <laughs> Paul, how many times was Paul in prison? That's where he wrote most of what we read in the New Testament. He was beheaded. I just went through most of the disciples, early apostles, and these men counted it as joy to die in the name of Jesus. And now a Christian wants to tell me that his fear is justified because it's God's wisdom and common sense. I take offense to that. It doesn't add up. And I'm sorry this isn't a feel-good thing today because you're like, oh, my gosh. Yeah, I shouldn't feel bad, but now am I supposed to die? I don't know what's going on here. But I'm going to tell you something. Whoever told you that becoming a Christian was going to be this easy life, 
<laughs> they fed you the wrong sales pitch. I got your sales pitch. Give your life to Jesus. You might get stoned and beheaded. You might get tied to a cross. But it'll be worth it. Thank you. It'll be worth it. Because what's my point? My point's not about COVID. It's not about a vaccine. It's about losing sight of the fact that we are built and our desire is where we're going, not where we are. I don't want to die. But I'm going to tell you what, if I'm going to die, I'm going to be bold. I want to die proclaiming Jesus' name. Okay? I think Jesus addressed some of these people, by the way. Matthew 15, 8 and 9, Jesus said, he's talking about the Pharisees, but he says, These people honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. Their worship is a farce, for they teach man-made ideas as commands from God. Jesus warned us, there's going to be men. They're going to say, I'm doing it in the name of Jesus. It's from God. It's commands of God, and it's going to be man-made ideas. Okay? Do you get my point? My point is we can't redefine who God is and the danger of being a Christian because it fits our feel-good story that God's wisdom would have me avoid all danger and live a happy, long, eventless life. It's a man-made idea. Revelations 12, 11, we say this a lot. Satan was defeated by two things. Blood of the Lamb, testimony. We said it last week. We gave testimonies. Do you all know that's not all that verse? We always stop there. And they, de they have defeated him by the blood of the lamb and by their testimony. And they did not love their lives so much they were afraid to die. They weren't scared to die because they didn't love their lives. They loved who they were talking about and who they were spreading the gospel for. God's wisdom is get out there and go against the grain and spread the gospel of Jesus to people that need him. You guys ready for point number two? Uh, I'm going to need a donut, another one. <laughs> Between singing that song, I'm tired. <laughs> See, God's wisdom would have had me go out and get a donut earlier. <laughs> Last year, this new race thing started raising its head. And I felt like God put on my heart to come in and say, did Jesus ever address racism? And my answer was, yes, he did. He hit racism head on, and I'm not going to re-preach that, but he went to the woman at the well, a Samaritan that was supposed to be his enemy, and he gave her eternal life. So my, the whole sermon was wrapped up in how do we address racism? We go to people that we're not supposed to like, and we give them Jesus. <laughs> he gave her living water. It's that simple. But within the last month, a pastor has gone viral on TikTok claiming that Jesus was a racist by how he dealt with the Gentile woman who asked for Jesus to heal her daughter. I'm going to read the story in a minute. The pastor says that Jesus called her a dog. Then he repented and changed his racist attitude to help her. Claims to be a preacher of the gospel, but he boldly changes the entire meaning of that story to suit an agenda that fits in our culture today to try to make himself relevant. He's also a homosexual pastor, but we won't even go there today. I'm going to read you the real story. Matthew 15, 21 through 28. Then Jesus left Galilee, and he went north to the region of Tyre and Sidon. A Gentile woman 
who lived there came to him pleading, Have mercy on me, O Lord, son of David, for my daughter is possessed by a demon that torments her severely. But Jesus gave her no reply, not even a word. Then his disciples urged him to send her away. Tell her to go away, they said. She is bothering us with all her begging. Then Jesus said to the woman, I was sent only to help God's lost sheep, the people of Israel. But she came and worshipped him, pleading again, Lord, help me. Jesus responded, it isn't right to take food from the children and throw it to the dogs. She replied, that's true, Lord, but even dogs are allowed to eat the scraps that fall beneath the master's table. Dear woman, Jesus said to her, your faith is great, your request is granted, and her daughter was instantly healed. Okay, let's go over some facts here. Fact, Jesus was sent to be the Messiah of God's chosen people, the Israelites, not Gentiles. You know what we are? We're Gentiles. That's fact. doesn't mean God's racist. He made a decision. We can't change who God is. He made a decision to have a chosen people. He sent Jesus to be the Messiah of the chosen people. Fact number one. Fact number two. Jesus healed the lady's daughter due to her faith in him and her persistence in him when many Jewish people were rejecting him. Jesus didn't repent and change his mind. He healed the girl because of her faith. Fact number three. You, me, we all should be very thankful that the Jews rejected Jesus because we get him. Okay? Those are facts. We cannot change the story. We can't change the story. Jesus didn't call her a dog. Jesus said, I am sent for these people, not for you. She worshipped him. She begged him. She pleaded. She was persistent. She had faith, and he healed her. You know what this pastor goes on to do? He changed the meaning of repent. We know the word repent means to turn away, turn from. Okay? He changed it to Jesus repented by expanding his mind. Jesus neither turned away nor expanded his mind. He gave grace to her because of her persistence and faith. Okay? So my point is we can't change the story to fit the narrative of this racist thing going on in our culture that really doesn't exist anyway except for people saying it exists. Okay? We can't change who God decided is redeemable and chosen. We all get that choice, right? But see, guys, Satan can't win this battle. He's already lost. So I think his goal is to try to convince us to misunderstand who God is and what God's wisdom is. And my challenge to all of us is we have to be wise to this, and we have to figure out how to make sure that we're not changing our thoughts of who God is just because people in our culture are trying to guilt us into changing it. We were warned about this, Matthew 24, 24, for false messiahs and false prophets will rise up perform great signs and wonders so as to deceive, if possible, even God's chosen ones. Jesus said, even the chosen ones, even us, we can be deceived. Jesus says, look for them. You should expect them. Look for them. They're going to twist who God is. They're going to try to deceive you. Matthew seven fifteen. it says, beware of false prophets who come disguised as harmless sheep but are really vicious wolves. Because if someone is a false prophet and they're trying to change who God is, they're a vicious wolf out to destroy you. But they're doing it all in the name of Jesus, right? 
2 Timothy 4, 3 through 4, Paul says, A time is coming when people will no longer listen to sound and wholesome teaching. They will follow their own desires and will look for teachers who will tell them whatever their itching ears want to hear. They will reject the truth and chase after myth. And I think that's where we are. We're living in a time that we've got to dig in harder than ever because there's a whole lot of people out there that are twisting who God is to what our itching ears want to hear. It's happened for generations. It's just ramping up now. And I'm going to end with this. Maybe you agree. Maybe you disagree. But how do we bring this to ourselves? If Satan can make us have a misunderstanding of who God is, who he truly is, then he starts to win these battles in our lives. I'm going to re-say this. If we don't know who God truly is, we start to accept guilt. We start to accept shame because we don't understand God's grace and his mercy. If we start to believe this, we experience control and anger and fear. Because we don't understand God's desire for peace, love, and a sound mind. God said, I didn't give you a spirit of fear. And we got people out here going, if you don't have fear, you're a bad Christian. That's, that's, it's against scripture. If we let Satan win this battle of changing who God is, then we don't trust God. We don't understand that he has a perfect plan that may not fit into our earthly, comfortable agenda. We experience defeat and we change our lives in fear of death and danger because we don't understand the power and authority that he left for us. I've said it before. They ought to be bringing their COVID patients here. They ought to be bringing them here because of the power that we have. You can't change that. Jesus said every believer, everyone who believes in me will have to do the same and greater things than me. You can't change that. That is in the red letters. You cannot change it. Okay? We're not going to change who God is in this church, okay? I don't know, at least try not to. If we don't get our arms around this, we're just going to argue with believers and non-believers about denominations and vaccines and whatever it is in 2022 and 2025 and 2030. And we're going to miss the fact that there is a world out there dying an eternal death because we are arguing over God's wisdom. So i got a challenge. Let's quit trying to fit God into a box that we design and I want you to let him mold you to who he wants you to be I heard something at a wedding yesterday and I loved it he's talking about a couple coming together in marriage and he said the problem is when we go into relationships we look for what we can get out of the relationship and we do that with God too what do I get out of my relationship with you God oh I get to live forever <laughs> good I don't want death we approach relationships for what we can get out of it we need to approach our relationship with God. He said this for this couple, but I'm going to say it for God. We need to approach our relationship with God. Of God, how are you going to mold me to accomplish your purpose? Father, I thank you for the opportunity to stand before these people and, and, and talk. Father, I pray that when we walk out of here, the biggest thing we will understand is that we cannot change who you are to fit who we need you to be. Father, help us have a desire to get into Scripture and to get to know you more instead of relying on what all these other people tell us about you.
And Father, give us wisdom, true wisdom, that when we're told something false about you, that we will know the answer because of what we've learned about you in Scripture. None of us are going to be perfect at this, Father. So please take that pressure off of us. Thank you for your grace. We love you, Jesus. Amen.